What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, a show about generational wealth, business, and finance. But before we introduce today's guest speaker, my man Eric has today's Black History Spotlight. My spotlight I have for today, for today's pioneer of Black History, I want to recognize are the heroes of 369th Infantry Regiment also known as the Harlem Hellfighters, who was the first black infantry unit to fight in World War I. Now, these guys spent about 191 days in combat under enemy fire in Europe, which was uh, more than one time than any other American unit. Now, the Hellfighters was one of the most decorated and celebrated black army regiments on the battlefield. However, instead of returning to a hero's welcome here in the United States, they were met with more racism and segregation from their fellow countrymen. So these guys, I think it was about, about 10 of them that was in his regiment, the Harlem Hellfighters, first black infantry units to fight in World War One. Today's guest on Black Men Sunday is Rocky Moon. This brother here is a designer. He's a creator. This brother here is a product education specialist at CODA. You're gonna find out what that is on this show here. This brother here is also a design thinker. He's a learner. He's an experienced designer. He's a UX, UI solutions design lead for two startup businesses. This is Black Men Sunday. We talk about generational wealth. This brother here has Airbnb going on and he's about to get another one. So he's going to put us on to the Airbnb game. Rocky, welcome to the show, brother. And Corey, thank you so much for having me. I'm just, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, jumping right into the Airbnb thing, my wife and I, we do the two rooms in, in our house. So we have a three bedroom. Um, well, I guess right now we only do one room because we just had a daughter. So, so we don't do hers anymore, but we used to just rent out the rooms that we had in our house. Um, and now we're actively looking for another property, uh, actually in Wilmington, North Carolina, we're in Raleigh right now. And we're looking for another property in Wilmington, North Carolina, so we can rent out the home that we live in currently on Airbnb, do kind of longer term stays on that. So uh, it's been a really lucrative opportunity for us and not quite passive income because, you know, you got to clean the room and change the sheets, but as close as you can get to passive income without it being fully passive. We really, yeah really blessed to have, been able, to have been, been able to have done that. What is Coda? Look, we've been riding the uh, the coattails of the Oscars all month. So y'all can probably find us on a search engine. When you when you type up Coda, we try to get ourselves to the top. Uh, Coda.io is the website. It's an all-in-one doc. So a uh, quick rundown, if you're familiar with like Google Drive, they got docs, they got sheets, they got slides. We're like that, but in one spot. So instead of having to go to three different places and have a folder, that all lives in one spot. Probably going to pitch you on it, Corey, see if you can use it to maybe structure your uh, back end on your, on your podcast. It can do some planning for you. Um, and also, it's very similar to a product called Notion. So if any of your listeners out there might use Notion, um, it's similar to that as well. So we are uh, yeah, really excited. My, my role in that is to teach the product. So that's that's basically what I do. So Rocky, what is Solutions UX UI Design? Sure, yeah. So UX and UI Design is a user experience, user interface. I did that a little bit in my graduate degree at UNC. Go Heels, doing well, doing well right now. Um, so I I did that a little bit. Designing websites and apps are like the two two main things that I focused on. And the solutions design is more where I'm fitting right now. And that's designing solutions in any capacity, uh, mainly like problem solving for my company. So I know we got Corey Scott on the call and engineering thinking is, is another big piece that I do for sure. And so Coda is that all in one doc. 
uh, that we that we use to create services. It can build an app without having to code on the back end. Um, it can be a project management tool for for companies. So that's mainly what it gets used for at the moment. Um, and again, my job is to teach how to use that that technology. And so I work with our customers, uh, individual users, and teach how to use Coda. Uh, in in that capacity. How did you get started with the Airbnb? Yeah, so uh, opening up our room for Airbnb, it's not much. It's like a little $40 a night, $45 a night is what we do. Um, and people come and stay with us. We live right across the street from NC State, actually. So we have a lot of like students come and stay with us. Uh, we have students' families come and stay with us. And then one of our biggest uh, money makers is if we go, say, Thanksgiving, we go spend a week with my wife's family. We put up our whole house, lock the closets, and put up our whole house on Airbnb. And so that drives some income for us as well. Rocky, I hope you don't mind me being personal, but what's your monthly Airbnb income? Yeah, happy to get into my business if that's all right on the on the podcast. Um, we made, so COVID hit us a little bit because we didn't get to do as much, but 2019, right before COVID, we made 17,000. So a little over, what was that? $1,500 a month, something like that. Not quite $1,500 a month. So pretty good. Pretty good a little bit. I know you're passionate about passive and supplemental income. Tell us why. The reason why I'm so passionate about it is I came from broke, like two bankruptcies growing up, lived in 28 different homes before I was 26. Most of them rentals, all the rest foreclosed on. Um, so it was not the the lifestyle that you know I wanted to per perpetuate for my my family and my daughter as we went forward. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about supplemental income and making my money work for me, because I don't want to find myself in a similar scenario that I that I had growing up. So you only charge forty dollars a night for a room for the Airbnb. We charge, like I said, for the single room, I'm actually sitting in right now. Um, it, we charge about 40, 45 bucks a night. We actually have it set up on Airbnb with smart pricing so it can adjust to make sure that it's filled. But we have a minimum that we're uh, allowed to we allow Airbnb to book for. And sometimes we get a little bit more as a result. Uh, so you come for the weekend, you just say Friday, Saturday night, that's 90 bucks. The flip side is if we go out, we got a little thousand square foot home. So not real big, three bedroom, one bath. If we go to somewhere for a week, uh, like we went to Europe in 2019, put our place up um, and we rented it out for 200 a night for the whole place. And so it covered our, all of our lodging while we were out in Europe, just kind of like pull from the Airbnb to, to be able to do that. Um, and we try to do that, rent out the whole house once a, once a year or so. And again, the way we do that is we take our stuff, we put it in the closet and, and we have a lock on the closet doors so that way people can't get to our stuff. And then we just clean everything else out. Uh, we live very minimalist, which helps a lot. So we don't have to get rid of a ton of stuff. Pack the liquor away, of course, because uh, we don't want that to get drank while we're gone. Um, but that's, yeah, that's basically what we do to, to, to drive the Airbnb. Our next big step, like I said, we're looking for a property in Wilmington. Um, and we want to buy so that way we can rent out the place that we live now. And we actually are looking to buy a place that has two two buildings on it, one for us to live in, one home for us to live in, and like maybe an in-law suite over the garage or something like that, that we can rent out um, as well. So anytime you can lean into Airbnb, VRBO is another good one. Uh, it's pretty, pretty lucrative opportunity for us. And did you have to invest to start the Airbnb? Oh man. So the best part about Airbnb is if you're willing to do a room in your house, your investment is next to nothing. Like you need a bed, obviously, for people to live in, uh, or sorry, sleep in. You need a bed for people to sleep in, but you don't need like anything else really. Um, and so, yeah, make sure you have a bed. Mattress is relatively comfortable, got good sheets on it. 
And then only other thing that you're investing is your time. Uh, it's completely free. You got to take some pictures, right? But it's completely free to, to post on Airbnb. And you have complete autonomy to say no at any given time. So if you try it, you can post your stuff, let somebody come and stay. And if you don't love the experience, maybe you just don't want somebody in your house with you or whatever it might be. Um, you can always say no to anything in the future and take it down. And there's no cost to it. I will say my wife and I over the last seven years have had over 300 guests and we had one kind of not great experience and everything else was fine. And the not great experience wasn't that big of a deal. Happy to go into that if anybody wants to hear about it. <laughs> you told me you love spending time with your wife and your daughter and you also continue to work for the social good by creating innovative solutions for problems of inequities through design thinking. Explain that to us. Background is in college access. And so what I mainly focused on was helping kids get into higher ed, right? Uh, graduate high school, go to college, which was awesome. Loved it. Now I've shifted into tech. And so the opportunity now is to create technological solutions for folks to help open doors for them. So an example might be someone's got a startup. They want to run their coffee shop with Coda. And the way that I can teach it, you can use that to start your coffee shop, manage your employees, manage your payroll, uh, manage your, um, the projects of going into to building out that coffee shop or whatever it might be. I, I've seen people use it for uh, one person is creating an album and he's using Coda to manage the entire uh, production process, right? So you got to record the song, you got to edit the song, you got to do the back end um, production on it. You got to, and sometimes that takes multiple people to do. So he uses Coda to coordinate that process, let people check off when they're done, put in new links to the songs that they've created. Uh, so anytime I can teach in that capacity and help create people, um, help create solutions for people for the problems that already exist as they're trying to better themselves or make it, make a move to the next level. That's what I try to do. See, you involve a lot of startups. So uh, what company criteria do you analyze when you determine if you want to be a part of that startup? My first main criteria is I need to talk to the partners, right? So who, who are the people that are running this thing? And this is probably not the most scientific way to go about it, but it's a gut check for me, right? So once I've talked to you and I see what your, your involvement is in it, then I'm either on or not, right? And so the two big examples I'll give is one that's still very much in its beginning. It's called Easy Access. It's about getting to college. Um, it's a tool that helps pair kids with colleges that are good fits for them. My partner is Vitaly Radsky. He's awesome. Uh, we've been working on this for a couple of years trying to get it out there. It's all about working with him because he's, he's amazing. The other startup that I'm a part of is Coda, the one that I work for. And when you talk to them, when you're first you know, interviewing there, they are, the conversation is we don't want to change the lives of 100,000 people or even a million people. We want to change the lives of billions of people. And that's very much the vibe that you get from the founders there. And so we just recently, not recently now, it's been a few months, we're about to hit our next series, but uh, we recently hit our series C valuation, series D valuation at 1.4 billion. So knowing that they are consistently growing, when I got hired, they were valued at 636 million. So more than double for that next, that next valuation. If you see in that happen, then that's probably a pretty good sign on to get there. Um, and the last piece is, if you're able to sign on with something like that and, and work at a place, they have typically stock options that go along with it. Now, stock options are risky because if the company don't work out, then you're out that money. But they're also really lucrative if they do. Right. That's a that's a pretty big jump in money for me when I went from getting hired and they were valued at 636 to over doubling that valuation. That means all my stock options that I had given to me when I started there have since been doubled. Right now, I can't sell them right away. But when I do, it's uh It'll be good. <laughs> It'll be good. Well, it kind of leads to a second question I had right quick is uh, what approaches and negotiation tactics, tactics do you use to negotiate equity ownership in a startup? 
I think you talked about it a little bit, but could you talk a yeah. little more about it? Oh, absolutely. So first of all, if you're working in a startup, always negotiate that, right? And if there's any type of connection, they want you to come do work, they got contract, you're a designer, you're a producer, whatever it might be, and they want you to come work for them, the first conversation you should be having is what does compensation look like and how do I get equity in your firm? So I would just ask you just like that, right? When they come back with compensation, say, I'm really interested in equity in your firm and know what you're looking for as well, right? So my wife and I are lucky enough, she also works. We were able to take less salary and more equity, right? So I was able to say, hey, stock options, good. Let's run with more of those and I can get less actual cash money coming to me. Not everybody's in that spot. Sometimes you just got to get paid because you need the money and that's fine too. But if you have the ability to say, look, pay me a little bit less cash and let me get some of that equity, uh, that conversation, again, initiated just by saying, how do I get equity in the company? And the negotiation comes typically by seeing how much is that stock going to be worth over like what it's currently worth and then looking at the risk that goes involved with accepting it and then therefore it should be more. So quick example off the top of my head is if they're offering you $115,000 and you take $100,000, they should be giving you $15,000 in equity, right? And there's an equivalent. Now, they shouldn't just give you 15, they should give you 15 over an, a vesting period. So whatever you want it to be, call it four years, then they should be giving you $60,000 in stock that you probably won't have access to for about four years. So don't just get that 15,000 because you're gonna get paid the 100 every year. Get that 60,000, which is 15 each year over four years. No, I appreciate that, Roger. Thanks, man. So right now you started in the Airbnb business, right? So like, did you just kind of fall into that? What made you, what made you actually get into Airbnb as like an investment opportunity? Like, what was your thinking going into that? I use Airbnb when I travel because I like my own space right? And I like to cook. So I started using it probably in 2010, 2011, something like that, right when they got started. When I moved out here to Raleigh, had an extra room. My wife had an extra room before we were married. We're like, how do we make a little money off of this? And we talked about it for a little bit. And I was like, you know what? Let me just grab my little iPhone, take a couple of pictures and put it up and see what happens. And within, I mean, probably a day, we had people reaching out to book. Like it was immediate, right? And we priced competitively. We looked around and said, okay, everything around here is 35, 40 bucks. Let's start at 30, get a couple people in and then we'll up our price. Um, but yeah, we've been doing it, like I said, for about seven years now. And it was the main reason why I started was because there was low barrier to entry. All it took was a phone, period. That was it. I was going to say in my time, I guess that's it. You take a couple of quick pictures, write a little blurb about your place, put it up. That's it. So no, no cost financial to me um, to get started and try it out. So it was, a, it was a no brainer to give it a shot. And then once we got it going, I mean, you see the money coming in. It's been nice. I mean, we bought a car, one go around, had enough for a down payment on the house, another go around that was primarily financed through through Airbnb. You're talking about, you're looking at now renting, uh, I guess getting another spot is what you said. That's and, it. So that you can rent out, I guess, the spot that you're in. Um, yeah. are, you, are you also gonna, gonna uh, use that as an Airbnb or are you going to uh, just do the straight rental way or what do you yeah. think on that? No, that's a great question. So here's my thoughts on this, right? Humbly submit it because I could be wrong, right? But here's here's my thoughts. We're going to do what we call midterm Airbnb rentals. So when you're doing an Airbnb, typically there are city ordinances, right? Especially if you live in a bigger city, they're going to say you can't do a one night rental or you have to pay an extra fee or you have to live in a certain area, whatever it might be. So check out your city ordinances before you just put your stuff up. But if you do a midterm rental, which is at least 30 days, they actually call it long-term rentals. But if it's at least 30 days, then you typically, again, check your city, but you don't have to pay any extra stuff. You don't have to get a permit. You can just put your stuff up there and do it. So we're thinking about doing that. And the reason why we're leaning towards one month rentals over like sign a year lease 
is because we think our, our guess is one month rentals from an Airbnb is going to be less hard on a home than somebody who comes in and lives for, for a year, right? Um, one, you're getting reviewed by me when you leave. So there's an there's a accountability process, right? Whereas like if you just come rent inside a lease, other than your credit score, which you can't get affected because you like mess the house up or whatever. Um, there's no no negatives and I put some holes in my walls. Maybe you lose your deposit, whatever. But people care about their reputation on Airbnb, so they treat their their place right. So that's one piece. And two, it's more lucrative. So in this area, we could get probably twenty one or twenty two hundred dollars a month if we rented for the entire year if we put on a lease. Uh, we've already put our place up on Airbnb, just like testing the waters for three grand and got people reaching out and saying that they can they can do it. Um, so you got to cover utilities and stuff, right? If you're doing the short term rentals like Airbnb, but the difference between twenty one or twenty two hundred dollars and, and three thousand a month is enough to cover the two hundred dollars utilities and still make an extra five, seven hundred dollars a month. So that's the main reason why we're doing it. We think they're going to be less less hard on the home. And it's more, you know, you can make more money every month by, by doing the short term. Are you also looking at with your profits, like other investment strategies for your profits now? Or are you are you still primarily looking at, I guess, putting it back into business or doing different things you have to do as far as your personal expenses are concerned? Oh, absolutely. So I think I mentioned this um, a little bit earlier before we got going, but listen to the Dossmans uh, from a couple of weeks ago. I'm all about making your money work for you. Right. And so reinvesting that is is definitely what I like to do. I've been doing a little speculative investing in Robinhood, right? Uh, I'm long on airlines and cruise lines because I think they're going to come back, but that's a riskier piece. And then I got a little bit in like your kind of standard Tesla, Apple stuff. Uh, I'm real long on my retirement. Uh, the way my money works out is the more I can put in there, either tax-free now or actually getting taxed now because I hope I'm going to be making more money per year when I when I retire, been putting a lot in there and then rolling this next investment into an Airbnb uh, property, buying that and then taking money from that and buying a third property. I would love to own three to four properties, putting up Airbnb on all of them, covering the mortgage on those properties and having that supplemental income be what, what we're able to live off of. So that's my that's my ultimate goal. That's a great question, Kalali. Appreciate that. No, no problem. Do you have so do you have like a structured plan on that? Like are you thinking the next five years, next 10 years, or are you? Yeah, great question. So with a daughter, a little bit of a monkey wrench, right? Uh, those expenses, like daycare is a mortgage payment, legit. And it's, I can't, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, telling me. I know what you're talking right? about. <laughs> so, uh, you know, five years feels right because she'll be in kindergarten for the purchase of the third property. Um, so this next property could happen. We've been looking for about six months, right? Uh, the, the market is wild. It also is going to be the home we move into. So we are more particular about the home we want to live in. And then again, we're hoping to have either enough space for like a tiny home on the property or do an in-law suite over the garage, something like that. Um, so there's, there's some boxes that got to get checked. And then, you know, I say five years is what we're thinking, but honestly, probably like two, three years later, we'd be looking for our third. And then five years from now, we'd be looking for our fourth. Uh, that's what my wife and I have talked about. And we'll probably keep it all around between Raleigh and Wilmington. We might push to Asheville, which is a cool little mountain town. Uh, that's a great Airbnb location as well. But but Raleigh and Wilmington make it so if something crazy happens, I can get there in a couple of hours. Uh, we'll have somebody managing the property, of course. But um, I, you know, at one point, we looked at New Orleans, which is great. Well, you can't do New Orleans and Raleigh at the same time if you want to be able to have your hand in the property. So, um, yeah, so somewhere around there. These are awesome questions. I appreciate them. Uh, man, I got like a million other questions, man. Look, uh, 
and then uh, and then also you also in my field as well so i'm also in it um so i got like a million of like just human-centered design questions for you sure, but, so sure. i don't want to just take over the whole situation so I'm, uh, <laughs> what is hiring if you're trying to come through hit me up on linkedin find me let's uh let's come on in i'll hit you on linkedin i want to trade some notes with you because like so what i do so so what i do is actually i'm an it accessibility program manager nice. i don't know if you have any idea what that means um I, but, would, I have a guess but probably not but it well it, it, it aligns a lot with human-centered design so cool. Like, cool. so like you're, 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 you're kind of like in the universal design space. I'm in the, I'm in the space where I'm trying to build programs, um, primarily to help the federal government, um, create more accessible information technology. So that's, so that's information technology that's more accessible for individuals with disabilities. So, awesome. so yeah, awesome. so you're in that, you're in a kind of a engineering problem solution space. And some of the problems that I that I that I confront in my daily job are like probably some problems that you might have some insight on. So that's that's where I would like to kind of tag yeah. up on that. But let's yeah. connect. Let's tag up on that for sure. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Hey Rocky, I got one more quick one. I heard you mention uh, the small houses. Prop, uh, probably you would put on one of your properties. Uh, what do you think about those Tesla boxes they got coming up for fifty thousand a piece, man? Man, the first time I heard about it was when you mentioned it in the Dossman's episode, like two episodes ago or whatever. I haven't had a chance to look it up, but sounds awesome sounds really really cool um and depending on what kind of financing they have available i mean sure you could put two or three on your property right. and and get them paid for it in a couple of years so yeah i'm about it that that sounds really cool yeah me and my wife thought about slapping one in the back in our backyard we get about like 0.8 acres on the back so that's plenty of figure, <laughs> figure out how to go and do that slap the driveway around the back too for private interest but uh yeah i just want to get your input on that thanks man Absolutely. Atlanta's a great place to have one, man. People are always going down there. So how did you get started with the Airbnb? Take some pictures. For us, it was like clean the place up, maybe get some flowers to put on your dining room table, that kind of deal. And then just take pictures of the house. That's the first step, especially like with today's phones, you don't even need like make sure your windows, the drapes are open. you got some natural light coming in and all your lights are turned on so it don't look dark and then take pictures. And then I would say take a quick look around your area, wherever your Airbnb or wherever you live and say, like, what are similar homes going for. So if you're doing your entire home, we got a three bedroom, one bath. That's what I'm putting in the Airbnb and doing a quick search. And then I'm going to price it, say 10% less, 5% less than the, the homes around, the average around, so I can get people in right away, right? Um, and then I can always up it, up it a little bit later if I need to. Um, and then I also steal from those blurbs. So, you know, you got, it's almost like a real estate agent writes like, oh, cozy home with the beautiful backyard, whatever, you got to write a little something like that. So I would steal a, steal a little blurb, a couple ideas from, from Airbnb on that one and, and put it up. And then once you got your price, your blurb and your pictures, just see if there's any hits. And if you want to do nightly stays, then you got to think about, all right, who's doing the sheets? Who's changing things out? Am I going to get a cleaner to come through? It takes a little more effort. If you do monthly stays or even week-long stays, you know, you can set like a seven-night minimum, then you can do the change in yourself and just say, cool, you got to rent from Saturday to Saturday. And I'm gonna come in on Saturday and flip it, and somebody can come in that that evening and come and stay. Um, so I think it just that that second step is just organizing your time and/or paying a management company to come through, which I don't have a management company at the moment, uh, but we'll be we'll be looking for it. And I know you're tech based, but for brothers out there that are trying to start up a business, what advice do you have? Man, so every startup I've been a part of has been tech based, but I'll throw you a couple ideas that have worked for me. Um, the first is get in front of people who might be funders for you, right? And so that could be your family. 
that could be somebody else who's interested in expansion of their own franchise or their own their own startup. Um, or it could be you could just Google Atlanta venture capitalists, right? And you could reach out to somebody and anybody that's interested in, in funding you, get in front of them and pitch to them what your idea is. Because even if they don't give you money, they're going to tell you why they don't. And now you have that feedback and you can pivot to what you need to do to be able to get that money. Um, and the other thing I would say is figure out how much you love it. Because if you love a startup, awesome, but you, you're going to eat, breathe and sleep the startup for a while, right? That's what's your, what your life's going to be. And that's great. If you're about to grind and want, want to hustle after it, do it. And then it could be end up being really lucrative for you. But make sure that you love what you're doing, because if you don't love what you're doing, it's easy to get burned out in the startup world. Real easy. Most colleges in an area are going to have a community development piece to it, either a community college or something else. Reach out to their legal team and see what they got for getting the business started, right? So uh, here we got Wake uh, Tech Community College. And my wife and I reached out to them when my wife was starting a consulting business. It's like, how do you get filed? Usually you can have somebody on their legal team do the filing for you for real cheap. When you're researching about what your competitors might be doing, I would say, look at the location, see where they're getting set up for. One of the great ways, my, my brother worked for a startup food, uh, food truck. And that's a great way to get your restaurant off the ground because you could move and find where a good location is, try some different things and see if people really like your food. Now, if you can make some, some great ribs, there's going to be a spot for you somewhere, right? And so that's a great way to get it tested out. Like be a little more mobile, right, um, in, your, in your research. So how did you meet Coach K? Yeah, so um, got lucky enough to meet Coach K five years ago now. Work with him a couple times a year through his through his nonprofit. So he's on the board, founding member of a Emily K Center, named after his mom. Helps kids get to college, and my job was to be that college counselor that specifically worked with the students in their college application and success process. Coach K is a competitor, y'all, in everything that he does. So it was really cool to meet him. Uh, but he very much takes that competition lens to to all his work. And so for him, it's about helping the kids at Durham win. And so it was cool to get to talk to him, talk about what he's, you know, he's a first generation uh, American, first generation college student. And so working with him, setting up students in Durham who might have similar backgrounds uh, to, to be successful was, was a ton of fun. Good dude, wish him all the best. Thanks Rocky for pulling up the Black Men's Sundays. I hope you enjoyed the Black Men's Sundays. We out of here. Peace. Check it.